Inside Westminster, chapter 152, On the Brink of the Abyss. Not overshadowing the Queen's message to the sinking nation was uppermost in Potty's mind when he was admitted into hospital on that fateful Sunday night. So only a cautiously optimistic announcement was made confirming that an overnight stay was needed to monitor the PM's condition. But this worsened and he was given oxygen through a nose jobby, as he later admitted, though official sources stressed that he had not been put on a ventilator. Messages poured in on social media, which Mandy read with increasing levels of anxiety. She couldn't believe the unfolding events and felt she was part of something playing out up there in the ether, not here in real life. She was truly frightened for the first time in her life, frightened for three lives, her babies, Potty's and hers. Potty had been transferred on Monday to the intensive care unit to be close to a ventilator should he need it, Still, announcements veered to the optimistic end of the scale. The PM is still in charge. The PM is in high spirits. And so on, but like pathetic fallacy, the nation's mood reflected Mandy's. Fear was beginning to grip its, take its grip firmly round everyone's throat and a sense of impending doom loomed. Mad actions were happening. Police were cautioning people who had the temerity to sit on a park bench. 5G towers were being attacked as some had grown suspicious that they were emitting coronavirus care of their Chinese manufacturers. Some folks were thinking of shaving their heads, as they had done in Wuhan, fearing that droplets of the virus could settle on their silken tresses. Cats were being kept indoors along with their terrified owners since six tigers had caught the virus from one zookeeper. A feeling of being on a precipice with an impending crash into the abyss was taking hold, with an attendant crescendoing need to see the PM out of danger. Three tense nights where most people were glued to their TVs, radios or phone news feeds, desperate to hear some good news about Potty, passed. Even his arch enemies were sending in messages of goodwill. And on the day when the PM was deemed out of danger by being transferred out of the ITU, the grim prediction was achieved. Nearly 1,000 hospital deaths from coronavirus in the previous 24 hours had been recorded. But the PM could manage a small stroll round the bed in his room, so the nation's hearts soared. The death of a relatively young PM in station and caused by the thing the whole nation was battling would have been too much for any of us to bear. Somerset was heard to give his son a stern public warning to take sufficient rest before returning to the trenches, which was something his son agreed to, much to the relief of us all. Meanwhile at Chequers, Angelica Swinton Eagle, Mandy's mother, peeked her head round the door of her daughter's bedroom and asked, Are you feeling a bit better, my darling? A little, thanks, croaked Mandy. I'll put the plates outside the door in a mo, but pot is on the line. Oh, okay, no rush, Angie replied. Mandy had been chatting to her bear for a while and had caught up with all the latest. Nothing but challenges faced her doughty lover, but she was only concerned about his health. They've finally got this wretched temperature down. I'm dog-tired, but apart from that, I'm not too bad, said Potty. But poor old Ben seems he's really suffering. In almost every other circumstance, Mandy would have crowed. Such was the enmity between them, but not now. Oh, do say I was asking after him next time you speak, she said. Will do, Potter retorted. 
Do you know, he was right about the need for a complete overhaul of, well, everything, really. Why is there no single body to coordinate everything in a crisis? I mean, it's like left-hand, right-hand, basic stuff. And it's not been pretty when hundreds are dying every day, Mandy asked. I know, I know, groaned Potty, continuing. It's how things were when I took over. Too many august bodies whose members are on six-figure salaries with cast-iron pensions and bonuses to boot, and there's been a lot of protectionism as well as all the miscommunication. Don't, said Mandy, it's unbearable. And with that she bade farewell, propped the bump and tried to sleep. Ben hadn't managed to escape London, so was, on ho- so was holed up in his house alone. He didn't mind, as he'd spent most of his adult life avoiding people, finding their dull chatter annoying. No, it could be worse, and he could have had to face Peregrine. The thought of that made him want to punch the wall, as he couldn't stand watching his son throw his life away. Doesn't he realise that what he does now will shape the rest of his life? Ben moaned to Gwendolyn later that evening. Well, the only thing that matters at the moment is that you get on top of this virus. What symptoms do you still have? Gwendolyn quizzed. Just this hacking dry cough and feeling totally exhausted the whole time, replied Ben. Well, listen to your body and just rest. Promise me, Gwendolyn pleaded. And I'll deal with Peregrine, she added. <laughs>